Welcome back to the Light Up Your Life podcast with your hosts, Samantha and Alexa. Today, we have an extraordinary guest. His name is Dr. Anthony Piana. He's an accomplished chiropractor, thermographer, and researcher. Dr. Piana's expertise in thermography led him to work as a fever detection specialist, ensuring workplace safety during the COVID-19 pandemic. He is the president of Chirotherm and a professional academy of clinical thermology, advancing thermography training and research. With over three decades of clinical experience, he has taught in esteem, at esteemed institutes and presented internationally on thermography. Dr. Piana's passion for improving health extends beyond his profession. He is involved in sports. He holds cert certifications in scuba diving, and he's a licensed captain and he has completed wilderness and survival training. His commitment to patient care, education, and research reflects his dedication to enhance well-being worldwide. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to hear what you've been up to. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really impressed with your podcast as well. Um, yeah. and this is really exciting. Yeah. Thank you very much. No problem. Yeah, so we'll jump right into the question. So, um, your expertise in chiropractic care and thermography undoubtedly contributes to improving physical health. How do you believe these practices play a role in promoting overall well-being? Well, that's a good question. Well, first, let's define what health really is. I mean, it's, it's not just the absence of disease. It's a complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not just the absence of disease. And I would add to that, it's also a balance of mental, physical, and chemical strength. And it's important to look at it as a triangle. So the triangle needs to be balanced. It can't be all nutrition, chemical, or medications for that matter. Uh, it can't be all physical, just working out at the gym, uh, as well as mental balance as well, positive mental thinking and everything that goes with that, that we'll probably talk about in a little bit here. So, yeah. So I think you asked me a two-part question. So thermography it tests physiology. What we're looking for is changes in temperature in the body that's indicative of physiology. So in other words, if something is swollen, like you bang your elbow, for example, it's going to get hot. Okay. And we'll be able to find that. Uh, if you have Lyme's disease, you'll have inflammation throughout your body. We'll be able to see that. Breast cancer gets hot. Um, thyroid disorders, uh, whether it's a hypoactive or hyperactive thyroid, it usually gets hot or sometimes cold. And circulation problems actually show up as cold. So what we're looking for is we're hoping to identify small problems before they become bigger problems. And that's the key. Of course, a lot of people come to us later in the stage of disease when we're finding large problems and trying to deal with those and mitigate life-threatening disorders such as breast cancer. But the ideal approach would be to you know, look at your thermal image, see what it looks like annually, for example, or semi-annually. So we can look at these and find problems as small problems before they become bigger problems. And temperature patterns have been, you know, show, they show imbalances in the body, left versus right, you know, different parts of the body compared to different parts of the body. Historically, this has always been medically important. In fact, back to Hippocrates, 460 BC, he was putting mud on, your, on people's bodies, okay, and watching where it would dry quicker. And where it dried quicker, he would assume the body was hotter and he would treat those diseases. That's Same with the Chinese. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Huh? So Chinese medicine is also um, concerned extremely with balance of the body, you know, left versus right, front versus back. Uh, that's really what acupuncture is. So 
thermography just enhances that and gives us a more, you know, state-of-the-art digital way to uh, computerized way to look at this sort of thing. Um, and then, of course, in my practice, I address mental, physical, and chemical aspects. Like I said, um, I use chiropractic acupuncture. I use hormone control. And we also work with late stage, stage disease and getting them to the proper type of treatments. Yeah, so thermography is a fascinating tool for early detection, like you mentioned earlier, and monitoring of various conditions. So how does the use of thermography in your practice contribute to the overall well-being of your patients, particularly in terms of prevention and proactive health care? I remember speaking with you before, you said that thermography detects cancer eight to 10 years before a mammogram does. So if you want to just elaborate a little more on that. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's different people have different goals for their health. So you have to decide what your goals are. Um, in my practice, I help people define their goals. I don't tell them what they are. So in other words, if, if somebody is only interested in disease care, then we have to work with them on that level. Uh, like I said, and you said, early detection is the key for any disease, for any neck problem, for example. Um, you know, as a chiropractor, I understand, if, and I've seen people now over 30 years in my practice, and I've monitored their progress or decline. And people that take care of their spine, they're gonna develop less neck problems later in life. Um, people that only come in when they're in pain once a year, every two years, they're gonna have a different presentation and function of their spine later in life, okay? So degeneration is a process, it's a long-term process that starts you know, in childhood basically and goes until late adulthood. And you see the people at the grocery store, for example, or hunched over, bent forward. <laughs> um, they didn't get like that overnight. So well, my goal is to educate people to um, take on early responsibility for your wellness. And um, we've all made mistakes like that, including myself, you know, mm -hmm. playing 15 years of rugby and martial arts and, and that sort of thing. And I think that, you know, that has played adverse, it's had an adverse effect on my, you know, spinal health over the years, even though I've been getting adjusted and doing the right things. So it's not just getting adjusted. It's not just stretching, yoga, um, meditation. You have to use it all together and also use some common sense. You, you can't abuse your body, okay? It's just not gonna work out in the long run. So that's also part of a health goal. Um, so back to the thermography question though, early detection is the key. Um, we're looking for those early alterations in physiology. And if you do injure yourself, for example, which is inevitable in life, we do things, we all do things it's important to rehab it properly and making sure. And thermography is a great way to monitor that healing process, okay? I, I know the Brazilian soccer team was using, um, let's say football team, uh, was using thermography to do preseason assessments on their players. Um, and when I was down there working with thermologists down there, they were explaining how they do this. And what they do is they look at the knees, for example, or shoulders of these players, and they're looking for what, sorts of inflammation they have currently, and then they'll address those concerns. And then if a player's injured, um, which happens a lot in soccer, even though they're not always faking the injury, of course, right, for the, for the penalty. No, I'm kidding. Um, what they'll do is they'll put them back on rehab until they're back to their pre-thermal thermography status, okay? And that's been pretty effective. I do want to make one, one addition to the comment you made, Samantha, was um, – Eight to 10 years before mammograms in some cases. Okay, it's not every case. You know, there's different types of cancer. There's fast growing, slow growing. Some produce a lot of heat, some produce no heat. So 
you know, if a test is 95% effective, let's say thermography, let's just say that's the number um, for detecting breast cancer, it's going to be wrong one out of 20 times. So I, I acknowledge that as well, that we're going to use every tool in the toolbox as well uh, to, you know, do this sort of thing. It's not just a matter of using one thing, even mammogram, just, I think they're 82% accurate. Yeah. Um, and that's for women with, with out dense breasts. Okay. So that's mostly older women. Uh, so, you know, those women, you know, 82% isn't so good, you know, and so that's where thermography could come in to help that group of people to find, you know, what they're looking for. Uh, and we usually combine it with ultrasound and different things like that as well. So, um, yeah, eight to 10 years, that's a tricky thing. There was a study done on that and it's just a matter of, you know, how you look at that study. Okay. I want people to be careful and, and responsible for their health. Going back to what you said about the soccer team and how you use thermography and look at their knees. So what are some of the things when they are, you know, I guess, coming out with more hot spots and there's inflammation, what are they doing to help be proactive towards that and get them back to their baseline? Yeah, good question. Uh, you can look for biomechanical abnormalities for one. Sometimes people injure a hamstring, for example, and it will change the way the knee functions. So in other words, if you have a tight hamstring on one side versus the other, it's going to change the way the knee runs, bends, whatever it does, or the hip for that matter. Uh, so you've got to look at all the factors from a physical therapy standpoint, uh, a structural alignment, chiropractic standpoint. It could be something in the spine, in the, in the pelvis that's causing the knee to dysfunction or the ankle for that matter. So you're going to assess everything. And if it was an injury, like, we, like you asked me, uh, that's a different question because now you have to rehab the soft tissues, reduce inflammations, you know, work on the musculature, prevent the scar tissue from forming. And there's many factors like that that we use. Yeah, that's really cool. And I love what you said about just being able to use every tool in the toolbox. Um, can you share a, a fascinating case study or a success story uh, from your own practice and what you see, what you've seen? Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day, you know, there's hundreds, well, let's just say tens of thousands of cases that we've had in the past. And, you know, those, there's countless cases of early breast detection, for example, where we're finding things early and we're getting them to early treatment and saving lives. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing we're doing, but that's as a mass group of women, people, men even, but, you know, that's, you know, each case is separate. Of course, we've had our share of people that don't make it as well. You know, we find it too late, which is a tragedy for those women. Um, but, you know, I try to focus on the positive here and I try to, you know, think of all the women's lives that we're saving, people that would never have been tested otherwise. In fact, young women under 40. Um, so that's, you know, probably the biggest thing we're doing, the most fascinating thing, you know, and I wouldn't call it fascinating because it's a blanket statement. Um, I have a couple of quick stories I, I can tell you in my practice over the years that stand out the most. Uh, one, um, I guess I can't use names, but there's a very famous rap singer, um, and I, he did end up dedicating me on his rap CD. And I can oh, tell you, wow. yeah, it was for Dr. Piana, the best chiropractor in the world. Um, so if you do your research, you might figure out who it was. But um, <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, he, he would come to my office in uh, Connecticut, in Hamden, Connecticut, from Harlem. He would have his driver drive him up to get adjusted. He had a girlfriend in New Haven, so that's why he came to us But originally. But he would come up three days a week because it would help him record his lyrics better. Uh, it's, he said it was a huge difference by getting adjusted oh. and you know being able to um, 
produced that album. And uh, that's why he dedicated it to us. So that was cool. Um, it's a much longer story, and it would be better if I could give the name, but I can't. Um, then, then, of course, um, probably one of, you know, Sweet and sweet Sorrow, or however they say that. It's uh, There was this patient in Torrington, Connecticut, in my office, and he, I, I looked out into the waiting room, and I saw this old man hunched over with his, basically his nose touching his knees almost. And I looked down, like, what am I going to do for this guy? Like he was a new patient. I didn't know what to say. So I come out, I introduce myself. I find out he's 53 years old. He wasn't old at all. No way. That's yeah. Insane. And uh, he had a big beard and he got up with a cane and he walked into my exam room and I didn't, you know, even know what to expect. So I'm just like, I, I, I say it to everybody that I have with a cane that comes in with a cane. I'm like, Hey, if I, if I help you and you don't need that cane, I get your cane. That's our deal. And it's going on my wall. <laughs> that's, so that's always been my deal with patients <laughs> like that walk or anything like that right so he i remember it was 22 visits i got his cane okay i put it on the wall he wrote me a big note and thank you letter or whatever oh his, his goal really was he just wanted to be able to shoot baskets basketball with his kids and that was really his only goal yeah. um, he had countless surgeries um he was addicted to fentanyl um through the process of pain management. And uh, so he did, he ended up shooting baskets and that's what he did, he sent me a picture of him shooting baskets and he was doing great. Um, I probably should leave the story at that. Um, but what ended up happening, and this is a good lesson for everybody, um, that was the good part of the story. The bad part of the story starts now when he comes to me, he's like, you know, I just have this little kink in my mid back. It's just annoying me. And I know it's from the surgery I had. I just have to redo the surgery. Who can I go to? What surgeon can I see? I'm like, Mark, I said, you know, here's the story. I mean, you're doing really good. He's riding a bicycle. He's standing up straight, shooting baskets. Um, I wouldn't do it, you know? And he's like, well, who, who would you recommend if I was? He, he'd come back time after time and ask me, who, come on, I really want, I'm like, all right. I'll send you to the best doctor. I won't use his name, but I feel like he's the best neurosurgeon in Connecticut. Um, he gets an appointment. He won't treat him until he's off fentanyl for six weeks. Okay, so he gets off fentanyl for six weeks. He really is dedicated, he's excited. He thanks me. He goes for the surgery and he dies on the table. Oh, you know? wow. yeah, that's the sad oh, part. I mean. um, and he actually left a note to Dr. Piana for his wife. I don't know if he sensed this was going to happen or possibly going to happen. So he wrote me a long note and thanking me for everything. And it's not my fault if anything happened and that sort of thing, which I knew, but it's just still a sad story, you know, especially he was doing so well. So like I said, that part, the first part of the story is great. He got up and did what he wanted to do and then he dies. But, you know, that's the point is we can't always have perfect health either. You know, it's not going to, you may have a little shoulder pain or annoying thing in your back or neck or whatever. And, and surgery should be reserved for, you know, extreme cases, okay, um, when you just can't function anymore. You know, it's beyond your toler being tolerable, for example. So that was um, not a good story. I'll, I'll, I'll end um, on my case studies here on a better one. There was, a, there was this woman in um, Hamden again, and her son was coming in. They were Korean. And... Um, I helped him and his wife and he's like, you know, my mom fell down the stairs a few years ago and she can't hear out of her right ear. And he heard a story that the first chiropractic adjustment was a deaf man that restored his hearing back in 1895 by the Palmers. Okay. So 
he heard the story and I'm like, well, I know they've done studies. They haven't had a lot of success with it, but you know, Hey, bring her in. It's one ear and she did fall down the stairs. So I, I was a little excited about it. And uh, so she comes in and she can't speak English. So we're translating. I'm like, so you can't hear at all, et cetera. So it comes down to, she can't hear at all out of her right ear. So I adjusted her, her top vertebra, her atlas. And nothing happened that day. She comes back and, I think it was two days later and the son's translating to me and I'm like, what, what? And she's mad. I could tell she's upset. And I'm like, what happened? She goes, well, she can't hear out of her left ear now. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> what <did> we... <laughs> but, but she could hear out of her right ear. I'm like, oh, well, that's good. I'm like, that means what we're doing is having an effect on this, right? So I adjusted her again and her hearing came completely back. And, you know, I thought that was remarkable. Sorry. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Wow. I love that. And yep. so you accomplished so much in your career and what, so what would you say your personal qualities or mindset shifts? Did you have to believe that helped create this instrumental change in you to propel you towards all of your goals? Yeah. So that is um, an interesting question because, you know, there's always ups and downs. So I'll, I'll start out by saying for me, coming out of the gate strong was important. Um, in other words, childhood, um, you know, I committed to learning skills, sciences, logical thinking, human interaction by being around mentors of mine uh, who, you know, like, a, in fact, there was Bill Piner who was like football coach and he was actually Vinny Testaverde's high school football coach. And so he was a great mentor to grow up with and he never would let you get away with anything. You know, he was my parents' best friend, but he wouldn't let you get away with anything. So, you know, he kept you in check. He knew kids because he was teaching football players, kids, school, athletic director. And so he just never let anything get by. So that was good to have that kind of discipline and somebody to outthink me at the time of my childhood because kids can get into kind of trouble sometimes, as you know. Um, and then, of course, human interaction, dealing with people, social skills. I believe that was huge. Uh, Self-discipline. And then, uh, you know, having things happen in childhood, you know, like drinking out of the garden hose or riding your bike without a helmet. Like you always hear those cliches today, but it's true. I mean, we didn't grow up with limitations, you know, and our parents micromanaging us. So that was important. Um, and then of course, uh, let's see here. Then I went to an all boys Catholic private school in Long Island. And again, they don't let you get away with much either. So that was pretty good. And I went right into the military, um, military academy for a little while. And that was a great experience learning how to think quick, work quick, be, you know, just improvise um, and take initiative on things. And I think that was also very important. I got very educated in sciences and I was teaching chemistry in college as a TA and all kinds of things. But I think I was too left-brained through that academic process. And that, so I had a, you know, you, you have fatigue and that's draining. When you're not balancing your brain from left to right, you're, you're too off-center and it causes fatigue and possible disease as well. Um, then somehow I ended up um, going to chiropractic school, which is also a lot of, you know, left brain stuff and academics and whatnot. And as I was getting adjusted, though, I noticed that was probably my most life changing experience. The first month I got adjusted because I, my fatigue levels decreased, they got better um, and I became more balanced um, over time. So after that, I, I started training with uh, this crazy guy, Fred Schofield. And he was, 
he did something called rhino training. So there's three types of people according to this system. And he now got it from <laughs> what's that? And now I know where you get the rhino from. <laughs> Keep charging yeah. forward. I remember yeah. mine. They didn't have the rhino tattoo. Yeah, see, I love that. I remember my chiropractic shirt when I was 16 years old and it had the rhino on it and I've never forgotten it. And I really love that model, keep charging forward. And I didn't realize you had a tattoo of that. That's awesome. Can you show us again? Oh my God. So I also incorporated the, uh, there's the rhino. And then I incorporated the Alaskan flag into it now too. So but, is that, um, did you recently get that done? Um, I had it done maybe 2016 or something like that. Oh, wow. um, the Alaska part I had added on, but it says Mo Chi Chu, and in Chinese that means moving straight ahead without hesitation. So that's where uh, you know I just look in the mirror every day, or on my YouTube or podcast here, or whatever we're doing, and uh, yeah, so it's always a reminder to move straight ahead without hesitation, right? So there's three types of people according to the Rhino training. There's cows, there's sheep, and there's rhinos. Rhino takes charge. A cow sits back in a pasture, lets life pass it by, and a sheep just follows what everyone else is doing. So I always knew I was a writer for nature, but he helped me refine my my skills of that, of taking charge, right? And and also- I a story before. That's awesome. I didn't realize that that's kind of where it all came from. I kind of just assumed you just thought you just really liked rhinos. I didn't realize there was like a whole story behind it. I love that. Yeah, and if you add it to your healthcare aspect, it's take charge of your health, you know, from the rhino perspective, right? And then that all came from Scott Alexander. Uh, he, he wrote that book called Rhinoceros Success back in the 80s. He's a Facebook friend of mine now. He's pretty cool to watch, you know, the things that he does at an older age. We'll have to uh, check him out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe get him on the show. He'd be good. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, and also part of that training taught me to develop my right brain meditation. I started martial arts around that time, too. Um, did 25 years of that. And a lot of it was heavily based with meditation and, you know, that sort of thing. And then of course, you know, you learn through these programs and I know some, what you do on this show as well is teach people positivity, think positive, eliminate negativity. I think that was huge in my life. And of course we all go through cycles where we kind of forget the concept for a little while. And then it, you start seeing your life, I wouldn't say fall apart, but things happen and like, oh, well, well, let's get back to the center here and let's make it happen. So it happens to everybody. Um, you know, I was definitely an overachiever. You know, I think balancing things in your life right now, you know, at any age, but especially as I'm getting older is super important. That's one of the reasons I moved here to Alaska where I can get outdoors and eat healthy food and catch everything myself, grow my own food here in the summertime. Um, and get out and exercise, enjoy just nature and that sort of thing. Uh, so combining things you'd like to do, it's not all about work. It's all, it's about a balance. Okay. So we're here working right now. I, I, this isn't really working. This is teaching and this is educating and helping other people, which is exciting. So, but you know, when I'm working in my chiropractic office, I don't think that's work either. But if I spend 12 hours a day in my chiropractic office, that would be out of balance. And I, I definitely like to balance my my time and create free time for myself, you know, and success, you know, as you asked me, I, I think success has a lot of definitions. And to me, it's, it's not about money for me. It's more about just freedom, being able to do what I want when I want to do it and, you know, share positive experiences with people, um, spend time with family and friends and, and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, success has many definitions. I would much rather take a hit and pay 
which I've done over the years intentionally just because I don't want to work 12, 15 hour days. You know, I want to work less and enjoy life more. Okay? And I'm not waiting. Gosh, so many of my friends, you know, from high school or college, I mean, they, yeah, they, they might have millions and millions and millions in their 401k or whatever, but, you know, they're going to work till they're 70 and enjoy life for about a minute if they get that lucky, even to get that far, right? With the stress. People don't realize that middle age is not, um, you know, 65, 75 years old. I mean, if we're, most people are only living to 70 years old, I think 72 is the average. So middle age is actually like in your 40s, right? So being well, 30, 35 and a half, I guess. Yeah, that's halfway through your life point. And imagine working till 65 and that retirement is, is, is very short lived to your point. So I can't imagine um, just kind of putting your life to the to on hold until you're in your 60s. That's it's, it's insane to me. I agree. It's taking charge of your health and balancing everything now, right? You shouldn't be waiting for the future. So I love that. And you've mentioned a couple of things um, that I think we can definitely unpack. But one of the stories I, I want to go ahead and share with you, and I tell Sam all the time this, you were my first mentor. So I had um, my parents who came from, um, well, as you know, my mom, um, is from Poland. So we came to this new country, right? And um, she wasn't, you know, as much as she wanted best for me, and she did her best. I had to find external mentors to really help me in my path and in my journey and in my career. So you were definitely an inspiration to me at first, um, you know, where I really looked uh, up to um, how you just kind of decided on something and just went with it, right? It was so inspiring to me that you decided one day, you're going to bring, um, you know, open up this practice, open up this office or do anything that you wanted to, even with the farm. Like, how cool was that? I want to have a farm. I'm going to buy land. And a week later, you had cows <laughs> on there. You had chickens. You had every farm animal imaginable. You had a truck with like bullhorns on it. You like dedicated yourself 100% to what you said you're going to go ahead and do. And that was always inspiring to me. You're definitely my first mentor. And, you know, I still talk about you all the time. It brings, I talk about with Sam and how, you know, it's always been so inspiring. So I think you've mentioned a couple mentors, but if we wanted to tie it back to that question again, you know, who else influ influenced you on your journey? Yeah, I, I think I stated a lot of them. Um, another one I would add to that was probably the smartest person I ever met in my life. I became friendly with um, back in the late 90s. It was Glenn Beck. He became a friend of mine and, um, you know, I met him through chiropractic. I met him through his radio station before he was involved with, you know, bigger things. Uh, he was top 40 radio and gosh, he was the smartest person I ever met. I, I, I remember thinking, you know, and, and watching him develop his career as well, uh, you know, taking charge and how he was there um, in that environment of top 40 radio when he was so smart and needed so much more than just goofing around in the morning with people like pig boy and people like that on KC 101. So uh, he used to do meetings at my office um, on Monday nights and he would read from a book called science of mind by Ernest Holmes. And it was like complicated, not religion, but philosophy, let's call it. And gosh, I learned so much from that, um, how it tied into my own personal beliefs and the way I see the world and the way it works. Uh, so I would actually add him to my list as well. Um, and there was countless other people, even patients, even you guys. I mean, just knowing you and you learn from everybody you run into. Uh, you know, that sometimes it's what to do and sometimes it's what not to do. But there's always, uh, you know, something um, 
you know, for that. And, you know, I, I, I see mentorship as a journey, not a destination, as I see health and everything else in my life. It's always developing. It's always changing. So that would be my answer. Yeah. So going back to Alexa's point, too, it's like you mentioned in the military, too, you learn to make quick decisions. And I feel like so many people now have these big goals and big dreams, but they they let fear get in the way and they allow resistance. So how have you just trusted in your journey and to let go? And if you wanted to do something, you just went ahead and did it. So what like what happened in your mind for you to just propel yourself and not let fear stop you? Yeah, I mean, it may have something to do with that military education. They call it trained initiative, meaning you got to think fast, act fast, and hope you, you know trust in your instinct. Um, and that develops over time. I mean, I would imagine that the first time I made a rash decision, it was a rash decision, and it probably didn't work. <laughs> it probably crashed and burned, maybe. But after a while, you know, you you learn to think quick on your feet. Uh, you learn to make things happen the way you want to, and then once you once you see that's working for yourself you really trust it. Like, for example, the farm you talked about, that was a quick decision. I went by a property one day and just saw it and then bam, I bought it and I had cows and, you know, like you said, <laughs> and, you know, that worked out well, um, that, you know, but maybe it wouldn't, you know, maybe it didn't, it couldn't have somehow. And, um, but that's okay. You just keep going, like charge, moving straight ahead without hesitation. And then, you know, that through time, you're going to develop a skill of taking chances and risks, um, and you will fail. You'll, you know, we all know the story about Colonel Sanders and those people who've tried things a thousand times and finally the thousand and first time it comes out right. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully it doesn't get to that point, but you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail at things. And, you know, you got to just keep moving straight ahead without hesitation. Yes, I love that. It's true. And um, I know you mentioned before that it's really important, especially as you get older and just for anyone to have, you know, balance to be able to have a successful career, but then balance your family, balance your health. So what is your schedule look like or how do you, how are you able to do that? Yeah, I, I schedule things that I want to do. Like I have my, I have my must haves, you know, like stretching or, you know, yoga or getting adjusted or, you know, nutrition and all those things we talked about. Um, I have a seven steps to wellness program that I do. Um, so that's kind of, if you, put energy into the seven areas in your life every day, you know, you're going to increase the awareness of your body's awareness of that. And you're going to create higher energy, create better wellness. So I put a lot of emphasis on scheduling things like that in my life, just because I know if I don't where I end up, I end up sick, tired, whatever, and life's no good anymore. So to, to live life well, you really have to schedule your wellness and your balancing of everything, you know, um, like you would any other appointment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I feel like for me, that's optimized my life so much to see what my priorities are and how I'm managing my time because we all have the same 24 hours in a day, but not everyone utilizes them to their benefit. So I think it's very important that you plan and you make your health and you a priority. So that was a great answer. I love that. And so many people struggle with that. And, and when you really take in, into perspective the things that you should be focusing on, it really is a lot of what you just said, resiliency, right? Being able to try over and over and until you get that end result that you were hoping for. And then also just discipline. I feel mm -hmm. discipline is so Huge. important. Um, we all have the same 24 hours in a day, but it's how you're using them and how you discipline yourself to set goals and then what you're going to do to achieve them. So 
Yeah, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more with all of that. So, awesome. and I think the biggest thing too, is when you don't feel like doing it, that's when you have to push yourself to do it, to create that discipline and to create that as a routine in your life. So I hate working out, but I still do it. <laughs> I hate it. I can't say that I enjoy running yeah. in a treadmill and that, that Peloton has not been used in ages, but I do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's about creating that balance, right? I want to take care of my body. It's the one body I have. I want it to take me places. I want to take care of my nutrition and exercising. It's all kind of important pieces. Do I exercise for 20 hours every day? No, it's, it's about balance and, you know, And one thing that I learned from my life coach too, is really focusing on the feeling after, because the feeling before the things that we want are (laughs) unhealthy, right? We want, we want to go out and drink, or we want to have this pizza and ice cream or whatever it is. But then if you focus on the feeling after, how are you going to feel after that workout or after that meditation or, or waking up early? Food, right? Yeah. Or after the junk food, you're we not saying so many times we just had a night out on Wednesday. We're like, I feel Thursday morning. We call each other up, but I feel awful. I shouldn't yeah. have ate that. I shouldn't have drank that. So yeah, it's definitely about the feeling of, you know, how you feel afterwards. And okay. if you're taking care of your body, you're going to feel great. Um, and it really fuels your energy to do more, right? Um, like when I'm energized and like living my full potential, it, it all kind of aligns in a better way. So yes, exactly. I agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So for individuals seeking to improve their overall well-being, what recommendations or strategies would you offer? Are there any specific lifestyle changes or habits that you would often recommend to your patients to support their um, overall well-being? You know, like, like I said earlier, I think the best strategy is defining your own seven steps to wellness, maybe, perhaps, or, or utilizing mine. I mean, you could find mine on my website if you want to find the chart that I use. Um, actually, just a quick thing here. Um, I actually had 12 steps to wellness in my practice. I would give patients a recommendation once a week for 12 weeks as they were in our practice. And I went to Nepal and I was meditating under this big Buddha statue that must have been ancient, right? And but it wasn't like a five-star resort, so it was weird. It didn't feel like it was legitimate. But I'm sitting there with a pen and paper, like I do when I meditate to get ideas down. And I actually drew out this what I call a wellness wheel, okay? And I had a voice in my head said, "You idiot! Seven steps, not twelve." I mean, and then I drew this out. I literally drew this out like within five minutes, and it's crazy when you see it. Um, and then when I got back to Connecticut, I had that actually Mark, the guy that passed away under surgery, he was also an artist. So he drew it out for me artistically. And the one that's on my website right now is the one that he drew, actually. And that's the one I use. Uh, but there's all kinds of things in there. And I'll just give you a couple of examples. Uh, you know, we work on detoxifying the body every day, pure food, pure water, lymphatic integrity, structure uh, and function. Um, stress and adrenal support, um, flexibility and exercise. And the simplest one, but probably the most important is respiration and breathing, making sure you're controlling your breathing throughout the day. Uh, you can get that and learn how to do that through either martial arts, yoga, that sort of thing. But, and by doing these, and if you look at the wellness wheel, you'll see it, um, you create a vortex of energy, energy, a spiraling uh, that brings you from what we call disease hyphenated, you know, meaning at not in ease, to a state of well-being, okay? And it's you can get that on my website at drpiana.com and uh, it's on there. I actually just checked it today. I haven't looked at it for a while on the website, but I know it's there now. 
So yeah, I would recommend that or defining your own seven steps or five steps or four steps or whatever it is you want to do. But you might, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. I've already done it. So use that. It's free of charge. Um, you know, amazing. So we'll definitely link that in the show notes. Yeah. drforpiano.com. I think it's really, it was inspired. It wasn't even me. I think it was just created by the Buddhist statue or the energy in that area. So, because Nepal is one of the vortexes of the world, just like Sedona. And uh, there's seven vortexes of the world, and that's one of them. So I really feel like it was inspired, you know. Yeah, that's sure. amazing. Yeah. That's really great. So is there any last minute things before we close out that you would like to share with our audience? The only, the only last thing I'll share is, you know, it is a journey, not a destination. And there is a balance. So you guys were talking about going out on Wednesday night or whatever. That, that's okay. You know, p- people don't realize this. So people that are trying to improve their health, they really think that they're not allowed to do anything bad in their life. You know, whether it's drinking or pizza or junk food, you have to allow for just a little bit of that somewhere, right? But you have to make sure you, you're healing faster than you're breaking down. If breakdown is faster than repair process, yeah, you're, that's you're, you're creating disease in your body. But if you're healing faster than you're breaking down, then you're growing health, right? And so always take that, you know, algorithm and, and avoid the disease process, right? So if you're always breaking down, then you're not going to be healthy and you're, you're in trouble. So that would be my last bit of advice. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I think, I think we try to optimize our health and, you know, we have one or two, three nights per month that we will do that just as a balance, like you said, but we're really focused on our health and wellness. And so for our listeners, I know you did mention your website, but where else can they find you? Are you on Instagram? I know you have a Facebook. Yep. I have a, um, a Facebook, um, account. I, Instagram, I think gets replicated by that, but I think the best way look at drpiana.com and there's links to everything that I do from there. Um, that would be the best way to do it. And I am going to update that. Um, I just, you know, again, time and, you know, balance. So I will work on that. Um, it, it's doable right now. Some of it's outdated of things I don't actually do anymore. Some of the programs they have on there, but for the most part, it's pretty accurate. So they could get me and there's all my links to other programs there, thermography and chiropractic. And we do consulting as well, um, for people, you know, we do health consulting as needed, um, or send me an email. If you have a quick question, I'll answer it for you as well. My email address is on there. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. We really enjoyed you as a guest and love the conversation today. Yes. And for all our our listeners, if you can like, subscribe and share, we would absolutely appreciate that so much. And we're sending you all so much love and light. We hope you have an amazing day.